hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the 20th edition of Where They At. My name is Nabate Isles, and it's always an honor and privilege to speak to the most elite athletes, trainers, coaches, executives in their particular sports. And this particular edition is, is no different. Um, I'm honored to call this man my friend. Uh, this gentleman was has done so much for the sport in boxing and for his community as well. He was an apprentice of the legendary Customato, great boxing trainer. And uh, this man went on to train nearly 20 world champions, including Wilfred Benitez, a young Mike Tyson, Simon Brown, Timothy Bradley, and Alexander Govodnik, who's the, his latest champion that he's trained. And of course, the heavyweight champion, Michael Moore. He's one of the great analyst in all of sports and he's been a boxing analyst for ESPN for almost 25 years and he made uh, Friday Night Fights pretty much much watch television I mean he he was the reason why to hear his his just impeccable analysis is great and he released an autobiography Atlas from the streets to the ring a son's struggle to become a man in 2006 and the audiobook came out recently, actually, um, in 2019. And most importantly, he founded the Dr. Theodore Atlas Foundation, which provides financial and emotional support to individuals and organizations in need, focusing particularly on the youth. It is my honor and privilege to present the great Mr. Teddy Atlas, also a Boxing Hall of Famer as well, 2019 inductee. Mr. Teddy Atlas, how are you, sir? Good, Nabate. Appreciate it. Do we have any time left to do a podcast? <laughs> you deserve the introduction for sure. You deserve that novel. <laughs> First, I, I have a, the only thing you left out, and I'm kidding with you, but I do have a podcast too that's doing well. Oh, we go. We're gonna talk about that. Actually, we're, we're gonna get right to it. Absolutely, absolutely. First, um, before before we talk about um your podcast and everything, uh, want to see how you're doing. How's your family? I know you're a grandfather, three grandkids, uh, two wonderful children who are not children anymore. They're they're well accomplished adults, and 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 Elaine, your wife, your wonderful wife. How's everyone doing? Yeah, thanks for asking. Thank God they're good. We're blessed. Yes, you know. We have three grandchildren. Um, the only, the only um, difficult thing is that one of them, my son's son, who's one year and 10 months now, uh, he lives in California, you know, because my son works for the Oakland Raiders, mm -hmm. soon to be the Las Vegas Raiders, yeah. uh, obviously. So he, it's difficult for us. We don't get to see him. And that, that hurts us. That that's difficult. I mean, we do this stuff like we're doing now, yes. but um, well, we wanna we wanna be able to hold them and kiss them and uh, get on the floor and play with them. So uh, hopefully that that'll be uh, once they locate in Vegas, it'll be easier to get out to Vegas. Maybe we're we're just gonna have to make a lot of trips to Vegas, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, because Teddy, my son, obviously in the NFL, you don't get much time off. You get That's no right. time off. Yeah, I mean, you you get like three weeks off, uh, right around now actually, uh, around the, around June is when you get the time off for three weeks, and other than that, it's go go go. So that's the only tough thing. But thank God they're they're healthy. We have beautiful children. We have beautiful grandchildren. My one of the great things now is my daughter Nicole, who's an attorney. I bragged mm -hmm. about my son being 
the director of scouting or the assistant director of scouting for local Raiders. My daughter's uh, attorney, we're proud of both of them uh, for what they've become as professionals, but mostly as people, you know, they're good people and, yes, they're, good, and they're good parents and they're good children. And um, so we're very fortunate with that. And uh, her husband, Jeff, and Nicole, they sold their house in Riverdale, Nabate, no. uh, two weeks ago, and they're living with us now. Wow. Uh, until they, yeah, until they find a, until they find another house. So it's good. We, we, you know, we, uh, we have life in this house again. You know, we got little ones. You know, <laughs> I, I have a reason to get on the floor again. The only problem is uh, getting up off the floor. You know? <laughs> That gets a little tough when you become 63. It becomes a little harder, a little harder. But, um, but you know, it's, it really is a blessing to have my daughter and her husband and her two children. She's got a little boy, Joseph, who's two and a half, and a little girl, Mara, who's six months. So we're enjoying having them here with us and, again, having new life in the house you know it's nothing like being a grandparent i mean a parent is different you know i used to always hear the stories about wait till you become a member of the grandparent club and i i never you know i wasn't in a rush to do that you know <laughs> because with that means you got older too so you know i i wasn't really like clamoring to say where's my card but um but now i understand now i understand it's it's all the love that you had with your children, um, but at the end of the day, you can say you you take care of this. You you you. Uh, if there's any disciplining, you do it. You know, mm -hmm. I'm just here to play with the fire trucks and the. Uh, I'm just here to play with the fire trucks and the dinosaurs and uh, you know SpongeBob and uh, <laughs> you know Paw Patrol and all that stuff. And I'm learning all these new movies, the the dog movies, the bee movies, the all, all the animation, yep, all that. Yeah, stuff. yeah. <laughs> it's indeed. Wow, and they, that... they're good. Those movies are they're good. They, yes, they, they got good storylines to them. You know, that's right. That's right. And yeah. there's nothing. There's nothing like the feeling. You know, time has gone by. My kids are thirty, what thirty six and thirty four. So, you know, but to hear, to hear the little guys say, hey, Papa, Papa, there's something, there's something uh, energizing about that and something, uh, something that swells your heart, you know, it does. Yes. It, it just, it's back to that pure time again. And we don't have that much purity in our lives anymore, that, that much, you know, just genuineness. Uh, that that surrounds us anymore. They're, we're lucky if we can have some of it, and grandchildren give you some of that. Yes, yes, indeed. Uh, I hope to. I hope I can experience that myself down the road for sure. Yeah. Uh, definitely, so. yes, sir. And uh, while here with boxing Hall of Famer, legendary trainer, Mr. Teddy Atlas, on the twentieth edition of Where They At, I'm the Bate Owls, and and Teddy now the fight. With Teddy Atlas, I mean, this podcast is just, when it comes, I, I got to say, I love listening to it because of the knowledge 
the insight, the personal connections, the way you're able to, to make analogies for the lessons that are learned in life, not just in the ring, not just how fighters behave. And the content is just as, as great as it gets. Um, how is it continuing to flourish? Yeah, I appreciate it, Abate. Um, listen, we, we're blessed again. We are. We're very fortunate. We, we, I think we have 12 million views or more. Uh, I, I think it's starting to get past 12 million. We have we have over 80,000 subscribers, and um, wow, we you know it's only a year, and everyone who knows more about that stuff than me, you know, I'm a caveman. I could barely do this. You know, <laughs> I, I I need help from my daughter. You're too nice to tell anybody that, but I full disclosure, full transparency, always, always. You know, we expect others to be honest. We got to be honest. Um, my daughter had to help us set this up. But, <laughs> you know, we, for a guy who knows very little bit about it, I'm, I'm going by the experts and they tell me, they tell me we're doing really, really well. And we've grown a good audience, a, a big audience, a faithful audience that keeps getting bigger. And I just appreciate that people think that I have something to say, that they, take time out of their valuable day to uh, listen and, and actually think that they can learn something or they, they want to hear something from me. Uh, that's, that's a great compliment. And, you know, you, you take that with real gratitude and um, appreciation mm -hmm. that, that people do, that you do have a voice out there and people care about your voice. Um, so, and I take it very responsibly when I see something wrong, just like all those years on ESPN calling the fights, I see something that I think is wrong. I'm going to say something, you know, right. and, and, uh, boxing doesn't have a police force, you know, mm -hmm. boxing doesn't have a national commission like the other major sports where they can rectify things. They can correct things. They can look out for the athletes. They can look out for the fans. They can look out for the integrity of the sport. Boxing doesn't have that, yep. but so you know, I'm I'm not saying I'm I'm a sheriff or I'm any knight on a on a shining horse or anything, but I feel that if we can help, we should help. If we can do something that uh, can correct some things, and we can use our platform to do that, we should do it. You know, you know, when I was all those years with ESPN, I don't know, I'm no different than anyone else. You know, you you are what you are, but I just felt that if I it wasn't just getting a paycheck every week. It was being really appreciating and being appreciative that I had this position. I had this medium. I had this platform where I could look out for the sport. I could say something when something was wrong. Uh, and, and again, without getting in a stupid head or without getting, you know, too big for yourself or thinking, you know, who are you? I'm just a guy. I'm just a guy that, that cares and mm -hmm. like anyone else. But And there's plenty of people like me, but they don't have that position. So I figure I have it. Yes. Why just take a paycheck home? That's great. You know, we all have to do that. But why not also look out for the sport a little bit if you're able to? Yes. You know, sport that you love that saved yeah. your life, you know, yeah, it, did. it did. So why not do that if you can do it? And so now I do the same thing over here. We, we talk about interesting things and we try to put insight out there and give insight to the fans that 
learn something new maybe um, and give my opinion on things, but at the same time also shout a little bit when a little shouting has to be done. Uh, stop that over there, you know. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, be a, somebody's watching, you know. And and uh, as our voice became bigger and bigger, guess what? Yeah, they were hearing it, you know, yes. because every once every once in a while we, I'd say something, say, "What are these organizations doing? This is this is, you know, this is not right." Mm -hmm. And um, and then all of a sudden. Yeah, there, there'd be some traction from that. There'd be some movement from that. There'd be some, some uh, uh, change or, you know, situation that got rectified a little bit or reaction to it. So I'm, I'm glad that we're able to do that. I take it very seriously, uh, you know, and um, at the same time as having fun with it. Another nice thing about it is it's a different medium, you know, Nobody uh, where uh, there's no producer saying uh, wrap up, wrap up, wrap up. <laughs> yep. Or you got a break, you know. We got we got yeah. top of the hour. <laughs> yeah. like you, know, me, you know, me and Stephen A. Me and Stephen A. Smith, we get yelled at a lot, you know, for for running red lights, <laughs> running them red lights, you know. And and I got no red lights anymore. No red lights. It's all green. It's all green, baby. <laughs> and, and you know that that's good too because you want you have more time to you know to to really explain something you know to speak on something it's hard television's all about time you know that it's all about time uh, you know it's not about always the quality it should be about with the content of the time but it's about get it in quick get it in quick and and listen I did that for 23 years and continue to do it on ESPN but it's nice to be able to stretch those borders a little bit. And, and you know, you got a little yard you can walk out in now, you know? <laughs> yeah. Space and opportunity, space and opportunity. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, now, Teddy, you know, you're training now Alexander Gavodnik, and he had a tough fight against um, Arda Bidabiev. And um, now, Gavodnik, what is his plans? What are, you, what are you planning for him after this pandemic settles down? Get a title back. Mm -hmm. Yeah, to come back, everyone in that situation, tough fight. Uh, you know, Better Be of is a tremendous champion. So was Alex. Uh, it was a great fight. Uh, it's a situation where you can become better from it. I mean, sometimes you have to... Sometimes you have to go through a dark place to find the light. Yes. To, to, to know where the light exists, that it's not all dark, that there is light. You just allowed it to be dark. Mm -hmm. And in the Better Beer fight, he went through that, where Better Beer made it all dark. And there were places where there was light, but mm -hmm. he forgot that there was light because he was winning the fight going into the 10th round. That's right. That's right. That's light. Mm -hmm. It ain't all dark. But when it ends up and you lose, you just see dark. And when you get out, the old timers used to say you can grow outside the gym. And that's kind of what they mean. You get away from it now and you can, you can ex understand what you went through. 
Mm-hmm. You can understand what there was to understand, what there was to grow from, what was really at hand, what was really happening, mm-hmm. that you can handle it until you believe you can handle it. Yep. You right. know? Right. I don't know how profound that is, but it's true. Oh, it is. Hey, you can handle it to you. Allow yourself to believe you can handle it. Yes. And, yes. and he knows that. He fought a great fight, but he knows that he can get to the other side of that place we were in, that he, he can get to the light. He, he was in the light. It wasn't mm-hmm. old. When I watched the tape with him, I did a mini camp just before the pandemic. And it was okay. well timed by accident. We were lucky. Wow. Said, you know what? Too much time's going by here. We don't have a date. I got to bring you in for a two week mini camp just, right. just to get together, mm-hmm. work, look at the tape. Neither one of us had looked at it yet. Mm-hmm. And, and to see where we are, where we're going. That's right. That's right. To map a course. Mm-hmm. And so when we did, we watched it together. You're the first guy I'm really talking about this with publicly. We watched it together. And after the fourth round, oh, tough fight. After the fourth round, he said, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm done here. And I said, what do you mean you're done? He said, I'm done. He said, I, in my mind, the guy was starting to dominate. I said, yeah, really? Okay. That's, that's just watch what's real. Not what you felt. What now would you that's what what's real. What that's right. Did. That's right. Cause it cause from the outside it yeah. it looks different. Yes indeed. Nobody. Mm-hmm. Fifth round, sixth round, seventh round, eighth. You were done, I thought. Ninth round. He won. I'd have to look at it again, but he won probably fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth. We went into the tenth. Up until that point, he probably won four or five rounds. Four of, at the least three. I said, what happened? (laughs) What happened? But when you're in there, you can't see what you're doing. You can only feel it. And it feels heavy. Mm. It feels like there's no air. That's what pressure does to you. Yep. Yep. And you can't. You can't find that pat on the back. You can't find that cold hit of rain when you're in a marathon and you need something to hit you to, to let you know you still got life or to see somebody saying, yeah, you, you, you can't, it's, it's just you. Mm-hmm. And, and you're in there with this force and you can only connect how you're doing with how you feel. Mm-hmm. And you can't see that. You're doing everything you got to do. You're, you're hitting, you're moving, you're, you get hit, you come right back. You're, you're, you can't see that. You're only feeling what you're feeling. What are you feeling? You're feeling anxiety. You're feeling pressure. You're feeling a hundred. You feel like maybe one of those salmon going upstream. Mm. But you're still going upstream. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Pushing, just pushing little by little. Yes. 
still going up soon. You're going, you're going. Mm-hmm. And, but you're only aware of the friction. The only way you're coming in, you're that capsule coming in from outer space and, and it starts hitting the atmosphere and it's all the fire and everything and everything. But you're, you're still in the capsule. You're still going. Yeah, there's fire all around you, but you're not burning up. Right. Yeah, it's, yeah, you're, you're hitting the atmosphere. The atmosphere is, is hitting, it is causing a reaction. It's causing something to burn. It's causing friction. You know, it's causing combustion. All of that's happening in the ring. Mm-hmm. But you're still going through the atmosphere. You're still, right. you're still <laughs> going. You're still getting where you got to go. But you, don't, you only feel the things I just described. Yes. Because you've never been there before. You've never been there before. And then afterwards, you realize, you watch the tape, like I did, mm-hmm. and, you, and you look and you say, that's foreign to me. I don't remember doing and feeling what I'm watching right now. The success of what I'm watching, the... the the majesty in some ways, the moving, the, whatever, but the fluidity, the, the, the success of what I'm watching, the technique of what I'm watching, the expertise of what I'm watching, the, the grit of what I'm watching. I, 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 I wasn't aware of it, but you were doing it because that's how nature works. That's how nature works. Mm-hmm. You're doing it. You're doing it, you know, and but you you can only connect how you're doing with how you feel because you can't see it. You're not outside looking in. You're inside looking out. So you can only go by what you connect with feelings, and it ain't good. It ain't good. But wow. you get through it. And you realize the lights didn't go out. You let them go out. Mm. You kept them on from the fourth round. As much as you thought they were out, they didn't go out. You watched the film. Fifth, six, seven, eight, nine. You were still to, you were still winning rounds. That's right. That's right. I'll box here. Many they got here. Many. And in life, the same thing, Namate. Mm-hmm. The same thing in life. You're, no matter what it is that you're doing for a living. That's right. When the devil knocks at the door, you, you start to think that he's throwing you out. You know he ain't throwing you out. You got to tell him, get out of here. <laughs> get out of here. Right. But he's still going to knock on the door. Everyone's going to feel it. Mm-hmm. That's the pressure. That's the moment. The devil don't have control. You do. Yes, that's right. You do. What you do and how you, you react. You had a great George Foreman on once on, mm-hmm. on your show. Yes. And I don't say that. You know me pretty well. I don't call people great. Too mm-hmm. easy. Right. I don't. I know. Because right. it's an overused phrase and word that's, that shouldn't be overused. Yes. And he's great. And he learned. He went through the fire. Mm-hmm. You know, he the the devil the the devil played with him a little in that in that alley fight, the yeah. great alley. 
he he allowed himself to believe that Ali had control. Mm-hmm. But he learned after the fight. No. You can only give someone control. They don't they they, they don't have it until you give it to them. He gave them because Ali made him believe that his punches didn't affect him. Made him believe that he had no say when he always had his say. Mm-hmm. And then 10 years of living with that, of living with something that hurt more outside the ring than it ever did inside the ring. Wow. He realized that those punches, if he had gone, it was the eighth round, if he had gone another seven rounds, it would have been over with. And that he was not, that could never, that doesn't last forever. The pressure mm. lies to you. The devil lies to you. Tells you, you're going to be feeling it forever, son. No, you're not. Mm-hmm. No, you're not. Seven more rounds. Seven times three is 21. Three minute rounds. But the pressure makes you think it's never going to end. Yes. But experience teaches you. And he learned from that. And he learned that nothing in the ring could hurt as much as what hurts outside the ring. When, when now you have to live with it, when now it really is eternity. Because in the ring's not eternity. It's mm-hmm. 12, right now 12 rounds is the most you can go. 12 times three is 36. 36 minutes. minutes yep. And you got that, you got, that, you got that rest but, in between. <laughs> you give in, you break down. The devil gets his way, right? Mm-hmm. After the final bell, eternity. Eternity. Because now you gotta live with it. Now you gotta live with it. And George George felt that. That is a special man. And yes. 10 years, 10 years of feeling that. 10 years of feeling that he came back. Mm. And he said, I will never relinquish control again. I might lose, but I'll lose with me. Mm. Mm. That's, that's why I say the man's great. And, and speaking of that control, I know when you were growing up, uh, Teddy, there was a lot of adversity. You know, uh, you, I, I, I hate the word rebel because I, I don't believe in rebel. I think it's just, it's just going a different route to find yourself and you have to go through different paths. That's, that's how I see it, you know. Um, but, but there was so much going on. You know, I know your father was a revered physician, Dr. Theodore Atlas uh, Sr. And of course, and your mom was, was, you know, she went through a lot of adversity, wonderful model uh, and everything. She could have been in Hollywood. I know she, you know, you talked about that in, in your book and God, God rest her soul and God rest Dr. Atlas's soul, your mom, Mary and, and Dr. Thank Atlas. You. And um, now, now talk about like how you were able to get that control, how boxing helped you get that control, but also being a teacher as well, setting an example, uh, especially when you met Custom Auto. You gotta have a reason you have to have a reason to be strong a reason to make the right choices a reason to care and to differentiate mm-hmm. about the right choices and the wrong choices you have to have a reason my 
reason later became to be responsible for somebody else. I didn't have the capacity, the tools, the understanding, the wherewithal to be strong for me. It wasn't important enough. It became, when I became a teacher, a trainer, it became important enough to be strong because I had to be strong to live up to my responsibilities for the kids, for the fighters, for someone else. And that meant that I had to live up to them for myself. You know, at the same time. I couldn't do it alone. I couldn't, at that age, at a young age, 18, 17, 16, 15, when I was going through all that, I couldn't make those decisions for myself. But once I started teaching and having a responsibility for somebody else, I could be better for myself because it was mandated, it, 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 it was absolutely necessary to do that in order for me to be able to do my job with the kids, with the fighters, and to not fail them, to not betray them, betray their beliefs. Mm -hmm. You know, there, there's different qualities of, I guess, character, whatever they are. Um, I think one of the greatest ones is loyalty. Yes. I, I wanted loyalty. I wanted, I wanted somebody to be loyal to me. I wanted my father to be loyal to me. I didn't understand. I was a kid. I didn't understand when he left at 6 in the morning, came home at midnight. He was taking care of other people. He was doing his job. But he wasn't taking care of me. I was, I was stupid. I was a kid. I was a kid. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I wanted, I, I guess I always wanted someone to be, to think of me, to be loyal to me in that way. I thought of it. I got confused. I said, he's, he's being loyal to them, but not to me. He's not there. For, of course he was taking care of me. I, I, I never missed a meal. I, I never went to bed without a blanket on. But there, sometimes you need other things. Yes. You yes. just, you know, and, and so I recognized that. I yearned for that. I felt that as I became a trainer, that I never wanted these fighters to be without that because I knew how it felt. That makes sense? Yes. yes I never indeed. wanted them to be without that. Mm -hmm. Even as a father, I remember one time my, my beautiful, beautiful, beautiful son, Teddy, was, he was, I don't know, probably about five years old. And we lived in apartments and you were there and he was, I think so. And he could look out his, his window at that time before we had this house that we have, but in the apartments, he could look out the window and he could see the, the playground. And I used to take him there when I was around, when I wasn't in training camp, when I wasn't away, I would take him there every day because that's the job I had. When, when I'm away, I'm away. When I'm home, I, I, I could be around all day long. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't have a nine to five. I have, I'm in boxing. It's, it's a little different. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so I, I would go, I would go to the park and play with them all day. And I would, I would be, 
I would be the official quarterback, the official pitcher, the official everything to make so I would get teams of kids so he could have games. So I would I get I get twenty kids together in the park and I'd be the official quarterback. I'd be the official pitcher while we were playing spitball. Everything. Yes. And but you still gotta be a parent. And his mom punished him for something. I had to stand behind it. He did something wrong that kids could do. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's nothing, but it's still something that if you're being a responsible parent, you have to you have to teach him. So that particular day, well, he couldn't go out and it broke his heart. Broke my heart more. But it broke his heart. He's looking out the window and he's watching. He's watching the kids play and he's watching. I went down there with my daughter and he's watching me play with her and he's crying to his mother. But I want to be there, but you can't. His mother's explaining because of what you did. I came home earlier from the park because, you know, I knew that he was watching. And I said to myself, Jesus, that's got to be. It just hit me. I said, that's got to be like worse punishment than I than I ever bargained for. Or I ever gave some thought to it that he's watching and and it's magnifying how he feels. I never thought of that. So I get home. I run upstairs to, to my floor. I go in there and I hear him in the room by himself talking to himself. Five years old, you know. And he's saying, I'm bad. I'm bad. And it scared the crap out of me in the party because I realized that kids do things. Sometimes young kids commit suicide. Really, it's, it happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, why? Because they're all alone and they think they're bad. They're not bad. But, but in their mind, they let down a parent or some, somebody they love so much that they can start to think that it's, they're bad. They're, they, they're, they're not good. And I opened that door so fast and I grabbed him and I grabbed him and I hugged him and I kissed him. And I said, you're not bad. He said, I'm, I'm, I said, you're not bad. You're not bad. You're the best. You're the best. You made a little mistake, but don't ever think you're bad. And, and I just knew because I used to feel that way. Yeah. I used to feel alone. I used to feel that I had, if, if, if nobody was there, even though I had everything else, if I didn't have what I wanted, what the love of a father, whatever it was, to, that I felt empty. I didn't want him to feel that way. I knew that, I knew that that's how he could feel. I didn't want, and I knew where that could take you. Mm. Mm-hmm. And it stuck with me forever. As a parent, as a trainer, that just things like that. You know, it's years later, I got in trouble like an idiot because I was looking for my father's attention. I I figured it out. I finally figured it out. But when I got in trouble, running the stupid stuff and whatever in the streets, I I was looking for my father. And my, where was he? Where was he? He was this famous doctor, this, this great doctor great man, special selfless man who founded two hospitals way before you heard anything about Obamacare or 
anything about universal health care. There was nothing, nothing back then. Mm -hmm. There was no HMOs. You either had a doctor or you didn't. Or you went to some kind of clinic and they weren't good a lot of times, unfortunately. So he built a hospital, 22 beds in it for one reason. He wanted poor people, whatever you want. He wanted people that didn't have the ability to get good health care to have it. So he built a hospital and he let those people come in free and he, he absorbed the cost. Mm. The other people that could afford it, that, that paid the bills. But the, but the people that couldn't afford it, come, they come in and, you know, he, he absorbed it. And it lasted for 23 years, this hospital. Little hospital with 22 beds, just for that reason. Just, mm -hmm. just, so, just so he could have people, he could help people that should be helped, but because of the side of the tracks they were born on, they didn't get help. And so he rectified it the best he could for himself. And when I saw that as a kid growing up, and he would do house calls till he was 80 years old for free, go to the project, all the places where people didn't have money, and he would do house calls and wouldn't come home to midnight doing house calls. You know, he didn't have to do that, but he did it. And when I saw all that, and he's always there, and he's always got, who was he with? He was with fractured people. He was with hurt people. He was with damaged people. He was with lonely people. He was with people that had nothing. So you know what? As a kid, <laughs> I, I instinctively said, I'll become one of those people. Mm -hmm. I'll become fractured. I'll become hurt. And then I'll get them. Wow. Doesn't quite work that way. <laughs> I don't say, don't try this at home. Yes. <laughs> exactly right. Don't, right. don't try this at home. Uh huh. But I was righteous in my own head. I was out there. I was doing things that were wrong. But in my mind, craziness, but I was righteous. I was getting, I was doing it to get him. Mm. And you know, and what did it get me? It got me this on the side of my face. It got me, it got me Rikers Island. It got me, but mm. I finally got to the right place. That's right. Everyone has a different journey. That's right. You know, the most important thing, Cush used to tell me, it doesn't matter how long it takes you to get to the title, as long as you get there. Get there. <laughs> yes, sir. That's right. You know, That's right. And, you know, to get to the right place where, it's, it's, you know, it's not about chasing for someone else. It's about finding for you. Mm -hmm. And I yeah. finally realized that. I finally got to the right place. But I remember, like I said, when my son was looking out the window, I remember when I was a young, you know, 18-year-old kid, and I wound up in Rikers Island for a minute. And I remember, you can use bad experiences. They don't all have to be good to, to get better, to, to learn, to become better, to help people. You can. It's yes. not all about good. And I remember 
being in there and myself. And I remember looking out this tiny little window, like a tiny little, and if you looked, if you got yourself and you looked just the right corner, you could see the airplanes at LaGuardia Airport That's right. taking off. I used to watch, Nobate, I would go out and look out that window and I would watch. And then they would disappear and then I'd go to the, and wait because you lose them. Yep. And then I see them. And I watched and it was torture. It was torture. Mm-hmm. And it stuck with me. It was torture. I, I even thought when I got older that are these people, did they really plan on putting them prison with young kids? where you can watch an airport take and the thoughts that would ensue yeah because i can tell you the thoughts my thoughts but i realized afterwards they were everybody's Mm -hmm. i used to think i used to make deals i used to make deals with the guy upstairs whatever you believe in i used to make let me be on one of those planes yes let me be on one of those planes and, I, and it could crash. I know that sounds very difficult, but it could crash. I'll take my chance. Mm. I'll take my mm. chance. I'll mm. take my chance. And that's, at the end of the day, there's a purpose to everything. If you allow yourself to understand that purpose. I understood. I became a pretty good trainer later, psychologically understanding where yes. people go, where you can go, where not just fighters, but desperate people, people under pressure, whatever. It doesn't have to be the pressure of a man coming at you. That's tough. That's tough. My business is tough. Mm-hmm. But it can be the pressure of what I just described as a kid wanting a father or a kid living without a father, without a mother. And, and, and he just he wants somebody to tell him, He's important. To tell him he matters. It's important for somebody to know they matter. Yes. And that's one of the great things about my sport of boxing. If it's done right in the right hands, it can teach young kids they matter. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and Teddy, you said something that actually Cuss said this. We said, no matter what a man says, it's what he does at the end is what he intended to do all along. That uh, that'll be with me till I die because Cus pounded that into my head, mm. and I I've witnessed it for forty five years since I left him. Of people, they say, but they don't. But at the end, they do what they intended to do all along. That's right. That's right. But you can only but you can only be responsible and control what you can control. You. Hmm. And, and, and it was interesting with Cus, all the lessons he gave you and all the fight films, you know, from, from, from uh, Jim Jacobs, Jim Jacobs, excuse me, and Bill Caton, you know, seeing all those films and, and learning about life, not just fighting. But it, it, was, it was interesting about loyalty. You go back to loyalty and what happened with, with Cus and, and you having to move on from that experience, how he was loyal to someone else by the name of Mike Tyson. We're not going to talk about that incident, but, but talk, I want to talk about you on how you were able to bounce back from that and how you were able to take that sting and 
be able to make it a positive and grow yourself as a trainer and, and grow your own identity? I felt betrayed. I felt lost. I was young. Uh, I felt confused. How could this guy, how could he, my mentor, you know, I mean, he was, he was the Wizard of Oz for me, you know? Mm -hmm. I didn't want the curtain pulled back. It was like somebody pulled the curtain back and I'm like, no, no, push it back. I don't, I don't want to see this. Mm -hmm. Like I couldn't understand it. I couldn't comprehend it. I I was all in with everything. And uh, we were partners, me and Cus. And when he made that decision, um, I understood it when I got older, you know. I understood it when I got older. That uh, Cus always said, you don't know about somebody till they're tested. Yes. He always told me that. And he said, Teddy, tests come in different ways. Sometimes the test is the simple universal one, like money. Sometimes it's the simple next one, like a woman. He mm -hmm. said, but then sometimes it's, it's more difficult. It's pressure. It's, it's convenience. It's comfort. It's fear. It's, it's, making a choice with this one or that one that's more convenient to go this way, to stay with somebody who is under siege mm. and it's hard to stay with them. Yep. It's hard to remember why you're supposed to stay with them. And for Cus, he was so right. He didn't plan on being that right, but he knew life, he was right. His test came out to be this young phenom that could give him another world champion before the clock ran out. Right. And, uh, you know, he made, he made a choice, you know, with that. And who... Who's to say you're a better man? Who's to say, who the hell am I to say that if I was in the same position, I dedicated my whole damn life to boxing. I didn't get married because of boxing. I, I dedicated every ounce of my spirit to boxing. And before I leave the planet, the only way I feel that I can be remembered of any worth is to have another champion. That's the way I measure everything. That's my currency. That's my currency. Mm -hmm. And in, the, in a way, it's sad. Because I don't measure it that way. I measure it with my children, my grandchildren. Right. Cuss didn't have that. He was a special man, Cuss. But he didn't have that. He measured it one way. He measured his success, the way he was going to be judged, the way that his life was going to be weighed on the scales by if he could have another heavyweight champ. And I'll tell you the irony of it all, he got it, but he wasn't there to see it. Right. 
Right. It's almost like, you know, you you pull that fruit from the tree and you bite it. Mm. All right. What what comes next? Yep. What comes next? And uh what he never he you know maybe maybe it was maybe it was a good thing. It can be very confusing because who am I to judge? And I'm not. But I can think. And maybe it was maybe he was given a gift because by not being around, by by knowing that this guy could would be a world champion probably, pr- pretty much knew it, but he, mm-hmm. then he died. But he wasn't around to see all the other stuff that wasn't too good. Yep. Maybe maybe Cus was given a gift in that way that he did he could have he could have the he could have the knowledge that he had another guy ready to become heavyweight champ of the world. Maybe the youngest was what he wanted. Mm-hmm. And of course he became the youngest. Yes. And and then the gift was to know that, but then not to know the other stuff that came with it. Oh. Because, you know, there's a price to pay when sometimes when you want something so much and you give up something that's so important to get it. Mm. Mm. Because there were things. And again, who am I? I don't know what I would have done in that position. I don't I hope I could have done what I think I would have done. Because I want to believe that. Mm-hmm. As a man, as a father, as a grandfather, that I would have been consistent with what I'm consistent with now. With those beliefs of behavior, of of life, of what's right with those kind of things. But you know, during that journey, I don't know. I mean, Cus and Jim Jacobs, all of them, they compromise things. And, you know, uh, but they, so maybe they got the world champion. But other things came with it afterwards. Mm-hmm. It's kind of mm-hmm. like you make that deal and then, and then you get it, but you had to give up something to make that deal. Yep. Yep. You know, and so I don't know. I I I really, but I I think there's a reason to think about that. There's there's a merit to that. There's a a realness to that. The possibility of what I'm talking about. But uh, you know, at the end of the day, I remember somebody told me during a mix of all this years ago. They talked to Cus, and uh, they brought me up, and they said, "Well, you know, what do you? How do you feel about what happened with Teddy not being here?" And you know, and 
the person who told me the story, I believe him. I don't believe, because a lot of these, you, you don't know what, what to believe. Right. You really don't. You have to judge it by the person, what you know the person to be. And the person that was telling me this story said, it was very interesting. And it sounded like something Cus might say. He said, Teddy was right in one way to discipline him and to stand up to certain things that we were all trying to do. And Cus was trying to do it too. Mm-hmm. But to what degree? And he said, to Teddy's degree, we would have probably, and it's hard for me to say because I, but if I'm going to, if I'm going to be able to talk about other things I, that, that I like to talk about, then I got to talk about things that I don't like. Mm-hmm. Otherwise I keep my big mouth shut. <laughs> so he said, but in Teddy's world, to stop this behavior or whatever, to hold him to this, would have meant losing a great fighter. So Cuz was saying, in other words, he intended to do it right, to bring it along, you know, to, but if you did it the way you would do it, maybe with your child, with your own child, and say, hey, look, right now, we're, we're, we're cut, right now, you're, you're understanding, no more of this. Mm. Because later on, it'll be a problem, you know. That's right, got to nip it in the bud. Mm-hmm. Right now. Yes. But Cus was basically saying if we did it Teddy's way, he was right, but it would have destroyed the chance to have a great fighter. That's what he said. Wow. And maybe, maybe, and listen, that's hard for me to say, but maybe he was right. But what, who knows? But what if he wasn't? What if, what if you could have had your cake and eat it too? Mm-hmm. Or what? What if he was able to build that mental makeup to to when they, when like you say when he goes in that dark place, he's able to come back, you know? Yeah, yeah. But um, well, maybe he was too damaged. And listen, we don't make excuses. We 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 live in an accountability of mm-hmm. a world when we're in boxing. You don't move your head in the body, you get hit. <laughs> yep. You brought up in my sport. You, you live in a real world, accountability. Mm-hmm. So no excuses. But maybe Tyson at 12, we got him at 12, right? Maybe mm-hmm. at 12, he was 11, he already had been arrested 30 times. I mean, that's documented. That's not me saying something new. Mm-hmm. Um, because people are going to say 30, that's kind of a large number. Well, it is what it is. But, um, you know, Maybe he was too damaged already, you mm-hmm. know, psychologically, you know, in those ways. Maybe. Mm-hmm. And that's an excuse. It is. It is. But, oh. but maybe, maybe it's real. Maybe. Right. I, I, don't, I don't, like I said earlier, who am I? I don't know. I, I can only try to know. Mm-hmm. And, and fast forward to now, uh, Mike Tyson at 53. See, I mean, what is your, he's reinvented himself. For sure, as it seems like as a person, how what wh- what's your take on on how he's doing now? Because it seems like I said, it seems like he's really at a good place. I hope so. Mm-hmm. I don't know because 
You don't know about someone as a fighter, as a person, until they're tested. Again, here we are again. You watch a fighter, and you don't know how good he is. He might go through 20 fights, and you think he's the greatest thing since Joe Lewis and <laughs> Ray Robinson. And, and Combined. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, bang, because you never saw him in a situation that tested what it was all about. When it was never about speed and power only, but now it tested really what it was about. And that, that didn't come into the 22nd fight. And then you say, whoa! But it was, you, it was always there. You just never had the circumstances to show you what he was missing. Yes. Uh, yes. I don't know because the circumstances right now seem to be good. And, and, mm -hmm. and maybe it'll continue that way. And smooth, smooth seas. Yep. Smooth sailing. How good is this ship? When a storm comes, you find out. I hope no storms come in his life and he don't find out. Mm -hmm. How's that? Mm -hmm. but, but to give you an answer, is he there? Is he there? I don't know. I, it appears that he's good, but it also appears that the sea is calm. If the sea becomes rippled again, maybe it'll never get rippled again mm -hmm. in his life. Yeah, with all and those storms. <laughs> you know? maybe, maybe the storm will never come again. That's right. And mm -hmm. God bless him. We should all live in storm-free worlds and lives if yes, we sir. could. And God yes, bless him. You know, he's gone through some pain. You know, it wasn't just, he hurt people. A lot of people remember that. And you know what? I, I, I'm respectful of that. Mm -hmm. I understand those people out there that feel the hurt. But, you know, he also hurt too. You know, and um, you, can, you can have redemption in life. That's what life's yeah. about, the chance for redemption. Yeah. God is about that. Give give you a redemption, a chance, a second chance, a and chance to come back, and he deserves that. And and if that's where he is, and that's real, God bless him. You know, God bless him. Uh, um, but you know, like that 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 uh, people are funny, Labate. You know, like that that. Um, that video that went viral about him hitting the pads and, you know, at 53. I was about to ask, you yeah. know, he's staging a comeback, it looks like. Like, well, do you well, think that could be a redemption? Uh, I'm thinking of redemption. I think people are funny. I just think people are funny. Maybe it's what he needs to feel good and to, to get attention. Not in a bad way, but we all need attention, right, Napate? We all need it. We all need it. I need it for my grandson now. That's where I get it. <laughs> but we all need it. And maybe that's what he needs. Or, or he needs to feel something that he hasn't felt, you know, in a long time. And it's not enough just to have calm seas. Maybe he needs to find out if he can still deal with a couple waves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, you know what? He deserves to find out, but 
all I know is there's a reason to have doubts because it's 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 common sense. The guys at that age, we saw the way he went out. Mm-hmm. To think that now he's going to be better at 50 or he's going to be able to somehow magically, you know, be what we want him to. Sometimes it's about what we want, what we need. We need to believe because we get, we, we need to believe that somebody can come back. Somebody can be what we want them to be. Because if they can, we can. Mm-hmm. Yes. So it's a funny yeah. thing. And you can play with that. You can manipulate that if you're smart. If you're a PR guy. <laughs> you, can play, you can play with that. Yeah. Marketing. You know? Yep. <laughs> yeah. That's the name of that game. And, you know, so who knows? I just laugh because people are making Oh, gee, look, oh, you know, he could do this. I would say, hey, Hank Aaron, is Hank Aaron still with us? I hope yes. he is. Yes, sir. He's 86 okay. years old. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to get right to the point, okay? <laughs> I bet you even at 86, Hank Aaron could go into a batting cage and hit a few. Does that mean he could come back into MLB and and – and hit 300? No. No. Does that, mean, that, does that mean he can come back next season when the season finally comes back, whatever it does in these difficult times, and hit 50 home runs like you used to? No. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> and face no. Gar- Garrett Cole, like, face Garrett Cole or Verlander or something, <laughs> you know, or Strasburg or Sturza. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm. Michael, we could watch a video of Nobati next week, probably, of the great Michael Jordan in a gymnasium hitting 15 straight threes. Does that mean he can come back and, and, just, and just do it to LeBron? <laughs> I, don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. That he could come back and... And and just you know post up, you know name name the top uh, the the Greek freak uh, Giannis or or, or uh, James Harden or something like that or yeah <laughs> or Kawhi you know <laughs> Kawhi yeah Kawhi uh, to me Kawhi is like one of those old time great fighters uh, Nabate mm. that didn't have he didn't they didn't have the pizzazz name they didn't have the uh, neon stuff, uh, the sizzle, uh, you know, the, 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 just all that flash with them, but they were just solid in every way. Yes, indeed. Just yes, indeed. solid in every way, and, you know, with, without, without all the other stuff. They, you could rely on them in any situation without all that neon. Um, flashing around them mm-hmm. and you know back in the old days the great old fighters the ones that like Henry Armstrong probably one of my favorite I mean Nabati these guys had 300 fights against the best fighters you know in a whole different world a whole different era but the greatest Cush used to tell me he used to say Teddy you know what was a great 
greatest compliment you could give. And this went for life in my experience moving forward because to me, boxing is life. Mm -hmm. So I, I always used it that way, looked at it that way. So I, I thought of it the same way and everything afterwards. But Cus said, back in those days, Teddy, the greatest compliment you could give somebody, a fighter, was he's solid. That's it. That's right. He's, he's, he's a pro. Because when you said he was a pro, that's all you needed to say. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That, that, that covered it all. Yes. You could rely on him. He knew how to fight. He knew how to fight inside, outside. He knew how to deal with what He wouldn't fall apart. He wouldn't let you down. Mm -hmm. You know, my, and my favorite fighter, one of my favorite fighters, I've been watching his fights recently, you know, during the whole quarantine, Mike McCallum. That, the that, body, that the, the, body the snatcher. Body snatcher. <laughs> yes, that, yeah. Like you said, a pro's pro. That's why I love watching him fight. Like no, no flaws. He's, you know, he's solid, you know, definitely. And, and knows, and, and, and he's able to fight into his forties, which is amazing and fight at a high level for sure. But uh, wow. Here with Teddy Atlas on the 20th edition of where they at. My name is the Batals. Teddy, of course, is a boxing hall of famer. One of the great trainers uh, in the history of the sport, as well as one of the, one of the sports greatest analysts for sure. And, and Teddy, there's so much to talk about with you. Um, but with the state of boxing right now, with COVID-19 and what's going on, you've always talked about the, the lack of a national commission, of a commission to be able to hold the sport together like all the other major sports do. Can boxing be able to recover with the lack of a unified front, a unified in infrastructure that can guide all of these promotional companies uh, straight in the right direction? It's going to have to, number one. Um, it has survived for 200 years or somewhere around there, depending on where you track the genesis of this sport but it is the oldest sport. It's older than baseball. And it's always survived without that. It's found a way. Mm -hmm. It's always found a way. Um, now more than ever, you, you bring up a great point, Nabate. Now more than ever, and I'm going to use your word, it needs structure. It needs a plan. It can't just be the Wild West anymore. It can't just be shooting from the hip, you know, and just doing what you want and just the separate power brokers that have their piece of real estate, their own little pieces of property that they only worry about that. It's got to be more than that. It's got to be some unity, some unilateral conformity for everybody. And it's never been that. It's always been separate power brokers, you know, you know, separate kings. He's got his kingdom. He's got his. He got, right now, it's really, there's, there's going to be a documentary coming out that I think is going to be very, very good. Mm. The Four Kings. Duran, Hearns, yeah. Leonard, and Hagler. Oh, I can't wait. Is it based on Mr. Kimmel? George, uh, the late, great George Kimmel's book? Uh, no, I think it's just that time in boxing and those fighters. Okay, okay. And it's going to be a documentary. But 
really right now, and it's always been this way, there's three kings. You got you got ESPN and Aram, you got Hearns in the zone, and you got PBC and Heyman. Mm-hmm. You got three kings. Yes. I mean, there's a few here and there, but they're at, at best they might be a prince. And <laughs> at, at best. And and they're the ones that they're the ones that run and everything. And they got the power, they got the network, you know, they got the organizations. Let's be honest. They control the organizations, each one of them in different ways. Mm-hmm. And I think that you bring up a great point. Now to come back in a safe way, not in a way where you come back reckless and then all of a sudden, God forbid, uh, the virus shoots up again and rears its ugly head and you have a second wave and, it, and you got to shut down again. You got to come back the right way. And you got to figure out what that right way And it's got to be the right way for everybody. It's got to be the, that's what I mean by conformity. And, you know, it's got, for the first time, everyone's got to kind of reach across the aisle and, and try to figure this out for the sake of the sport, not just the sake of their separate promotional companies. Because that's what this is always about. It's, you know, I say it the way it's true. It's just about their own little piece of land. But now it's got to be the, the whole landscape. It's, it's got to be about the spear. It's got to be about the world of boxing. And I think that somebody's got to lead the way. Uh, I think in some ways it can be done and they can be helped by just the government's regulations and restrictions and reforms and mandates that they're going to say, hey, before anyone comes back, you, you better be within these guidelines. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that their own sense of self-preservation and that's always been a strong sense for them it hasn't been for others but for them Mm -hmm. okay sometimes that can work good for their own sense of self-preservation they're going to have to realize we better do it right Mm -hmm. just like just like Dana White's doing right now you know he he's coming back he's going to be the first one back with the UFC and He's trying. He's he's doing it right. I mean, who's to say when it's too soon? When it's the I get it. I get it. But you got to come back sometimes. Sometime. And if you're gonna do it, you got to do it. You got to have what you said. The things in place. The structure in place. The idea in place. The plan in place to to come back. And he's got he's got no audience. Of course, that goes for everybody. And the fight is getting tested like every 24 hours, being tested, the cornermen being tested every 24 hours. Matter of fact, the show, I think it's okay to say, your, your show's going to come, the show will come up next week, but tonight mm-hmm. is the UFC show going on. Mm-hmm. Now, 
every there's a lot of controversy about it. He's the first live sport really coming back of, of any magnitude. And everyone's watching how, how he's gonna pull it off. And again, he's had he's had everybody locked down, everybody in camp quarantine. He's had everybody involved being tested on a regular basis. I mean, he's really thought it out. Mm-hmm. And with all of that, to his credit, I'm going to say something negative, but it was a positive. Just today, it came out, the show's tonight. Mm-hmm. It would have happened already by the time we, you post this. But mm-hmm. one of the fighters on the card tested positive and his trainer just came out today. But, yeah. but right away, you say, oh, see? See, they're going too soon. See? No. But they caught it they, because of their protocol. Yes. Yep. Because, because of what you said, who's going to organize it? Who's going to do it right? Because of that, they did catch it. They did have those guys quarantined. They did have everyone separate. And they found out right away. And it did not in any way infect anybody else. Mm-hmm. So the show's going on. Mm-hmm. Yep. <clears throat> so it seems like they're doing it the right way. And that's to, that's to your question. You got to figure out. And and I think that they're gonna they're gonna use Dana White as a little bit of a blueprint, Nabate, a little bit of a template mm-hmm. of saying, let's see, let's see what he did. That's right. Especially Zanfer, Zanfer and Top Rank. They have they have to because they're looking to put out cards in June. <laughs> you know, Zanfer I think is gonna have three cards, three championship cards, uh, in 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 June. Oh man, it's they. Well, from so, what I heard the. The bit I know is Top Rank is talking about, everyone's got to come back, talking about, I don't know if they'll be ready in June, but in June to have a camp situation where they're going to be in Las Vegas at one of the hotels, take a whole floor and have everybody train and get trained together in one or two gyms, have everybody that's going to be fighting train at the same place, get tested. I I don't know if that's going to work. That To have that many fighters in that that I don't know. I'm not knocking them. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to start somewhere. But to me, those numbers in one place, I I don't know. And I, Vegas of all cities. I don't know. I got to be honest. I don't know that I'm responsible for my fighter. So I don't know that if if that was the if that was what was necessary to get on a card that I had to go and train on one floor, live on one floor in a hotel in Vegas, train in two gyms where you're going to have 100 fighters, 50 fighters, whatever the number is, 70 fighters, whatever it is, I don't know. But you're going to have more training in one area. And I, I get it. You're going to have testing. You're going to have all that. I, I, I'm not saying I'm in for that. Mm-hmm. I'm, there's other ways. I mean, maybe that's their first thought. When you're dealing with something so difficult, it's kind of like writing a script for a movie, Nabate. You're not going to go with the first draft. That's right. Mm-hmm. You know, it's going to take you a little while to get there. And again, they might have to, I think they would probably look at Dana White a little bit to see, because I think he's, he, right now it looks like he's got a pretty, he's, he's got a little handle on it right now. Thank you all. 
for listening to part one of episode 20 of Where They At with the great Teddy Atlas. In part two, we'll continue our conversation talking more about the current state of boxing, uh, the fighters that are involved, and also as well, the Las Vegas Raiders, where his son, Teddy III, is the director of scouting there for the Raiders. So definitely we're going to get into all those topics. And it was great to spend part one talking about Teddy's life, also Mike Tyson, as well as boxing, what the sport of boxing needs to do to be able to resume events and what boxing could do to follow what UFC has been doing in resuming events. They've done a magnificent job led by Dana White. So if you like the music that you hear, Go to N-A-B-A-T-E-I-S-L-E-S dot com. That's nabateisles.com. And it's from my album, Eclectic Excursions. And you can go on the site to hear the music. Or you can also go to links to download the music, which is on Amazon, which is on Apple Music, which is on Google Play, which is on Spotify, which is on Tidal etc etc anywhere where digital music is being distributed eclectic excursions is there and also remember to subscribe and follow where they at follow the podcast there are so many tremendous episodes with so many legendary figures in the world of sports and it's just been an honor to talk with all those uh, luminaries and gain their insight their reflections and also just their approach on how they're so great a lot of information to take in and to learn from for sure so be safe be healthy be blessed and stay home as this storm of COVID-19 shall pass just stay home so we can be able to to curb the infection of this horrible disease and remember next will be part two of episode 20 with Teddy Atlas my name is Nabate Owls thank you all for listening take care God bless